Welcome to the Pretty Powerful Podcast, where powerful women are interviewed every week to share real inspiring stories and incredible insight to help women or anyone break the barriers, be a part of innovation, shatter the glass ceiling, and dominate to the top of their sport, industry, or life's mission. Join us as we celebrate exceptional women and step into our power. And now, here's your host, Angela Gennari. Thank you so much for joining us for the Pretty Powerful Podcast. My name is Angela Gennari, and I am here with Yaquan Holloway. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you for having me. Yes, ma'am. So, y'all, I know Yaquan because her and I were in a uh, kind of a pitch competition together, and we got to know each other, and I just have a tremendous amount of respect for this woman. She is crazy smart, and I think you guys are going to learn so much from her today. Oh, thank you for saying that. I'm very, uh, I have a lot of respect for you and your business, and you're truly an inspiration, so it means a lot for me to be here today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining me. So let me introduce, let me introduce Quan. So Quan is a leader in the field of business and IT. She is the principal consultant of Holloway Consulting Group, a consulting practice that focuses on helping corporate teams deliver IT and transformation projects, resolve systemic process issues, and train and coach associates on project management and Lean Six Sigma principles. She graduated from Georgia Institute of Technology with a Bachelor of Civil Engineering and holds an MBA from Georgia State University. With over 20 years of experience leading large cross-functional initiatives, Quan has a track record of driving successful change. Through her work, she strives to demystify project management, create a culture of standard work and repeatable processes, stabilize and simplify simplify core applications and reduce critical incidents. <laughs> you are so smart. I love you. <laughs> I'm just laughing at the words like blah, 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 blah. Well, blah, and blah. it's funny. I, I trip up on simply, right? Like right. or simplify. <laughs> you did good with systemic. I did. That's right. So, so Lean Six Sigma. So that's a really interesting thing because that's not an easy process to learn. Not that anything that you've done has been easy because it feels like you've taken a very untraditional path. Right. Right. So tell me where where the engineering came from? Have you always been fascinated with engineering? <laughs> no, I um, I loved reading and uh-huh. history, but I did very good in math and science. Okay. And um, my stepdad is a civil engineer. He's a retired civil engineer. And I learned that I could go to Georgia Tech a year early mm. and escape home. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I got to study something in engineering. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, well, civil, civil is short for civilization, okay. right? It's all the um, engineering that you need for society, water, mm. environment, roads, building. So I thought, well, that's, you know, a noble profession. I can save the environment. And so I went and I studied civil engineering um, and I've never practiced a day in my life. Really? <laughs> So, um, and I find Lean Six Sigma is more about removing waste out of processes, making sure that things, that your customers have a consistent experience, that Mm. every time you do something, you do it with quality um, and standards. And I think people that are born organized, which I am not, Mm. so um, nobody that lives with me can say, oh, (laughs) what? (laughs) I think that you guys do a lot of this naturally, making sure that things flow well and things are very organized. And for me, it was like, revolutionary to learn those principles. And so I've, um, 
I decided when I left corporate America, I'm going to demystify project management and Lean Six Sigma and just teach people the joy in it because I really think it it helps businesses run better. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right. So you got a degree in civil engineering Mm -hmm. and you haven't really practiced it, but at the same time, you've gone down this path of improving processes and making everything. uh, I like the idea, the simplify, right? Mm -hmm. So you simplify processes. So uh, Lean Six Sigma, I thought was really just all about efficiency. Is that right? It's about efficiency. And it's also, I think, you can't underscore enough the importance of the customer and their experience. Okay. And so at the heart of it, it's what is wasteful to the customer. Like if your customer peeped in and saw how many meetings you had in a day, would they want to pay for that? (laughs) Uh, It's, you know, all this moving Mm. around you have to do to get your job done Mm. and your, in your business, you know, are all the resources used optimally? Are you, getting things approved in the most simple fashion. So it's all about whoever the customer is of the process and making sure that you've removed waste so that they constantly have an awesome experience. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Awesome. So tell me, uh, I know there can't be, you know, Georgia tech, they always say, uh, you know, you go for the education and not (laughs) for the really like college experience. (laughs) So you're, you're probably one of the few women Mm -hmm. at, you know, in your, in your major, um, and probably one of the few women of color, I would imagine too. So Um, tell me what your college experience was like. Yeah, that was, it was pretty eye-opening um I'd been to private schools up until high school yeah and so my private school experience was typically I was one or two one of one or two black kids Mm. um and then I went to college in my neighborhood I mean high school and had an awesome time and um got to go to experience got to go to high school with kids that look like me so I was pretty excited about it and then I went to Georgia Tech. Right. <laughs> um, at that, and think that year, the freshman class had 100, the class of 1992, mm-hmm. of which Mayor Andre Dickens is in that class. Oh, okay. Not the cool. class of 92, the, the kids that went to college in 1992. Okay. Well, they were high school grads for that year. There were 100 of us. Wow. And okay. so the nice experience of that is we pretty much know each other. Right, right. And we took classes in tandem um, mm. in our earlier years when mm. you could because we were all our, all of our general general education. Um, and, and so they're kind of like a family to me. Yeah, that that's of, beautiful. That group of kids now, grown people. And um, I'd say still I learned some pretty important skills there even as I got further along in civil engineering. I learned that I had to leverage people yeah. um, in order to do well. And I learned how to build relationships with people that probably had nothing in common with my culture or background because we had people from all over the world. Most of my professors, English was not their first language. Uh Um, So I I thought it was a really good experience. Absolutely. spent probably more all-nighters than I should have (laughs) spent and probably built some bad habits and things like that. But I... I always felt like when I left, you know what? I can finish anything I start. Yes. Might be painful, but I know how to grind it out. So yeah, overall, it was a really good experience. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And I know what you mean about the, and and I don't know if you do this, but in college, I learned that I work well under pressure (laughs) and I still to this day will claim that every time I'm 
procrastinating on yep. something, I'll be like, well, you know, I, I do work well under pressure, except I'm not 20 anymore. Exactly. <laughs> so um, exactly. I, don't, I don't bounce back like that. It, that's the exact <laughs> wording I use is my bounce back is not the same. Right. Like mm-hmm. I could go party till, you know, two, three, mm-hmm. come home, take a quick nap. Oh, yeah. Go to work, be all fresh eyed. You're good. Push yeah. your tail and no, no. Yeah. Um, yeah. I actually, this Lenten season, which I've never, my, I'm, I grew up Baptist and I'm a non-denominational Christian. Um, so I've never been at a church where I'm really practicing Lent. Sure. But I have given up for this Lenten season, mm. late evening work. What? I'm, it's, it's very scary wow. for me. I don't know that I could do that. <laughs> it's very uh, scary. Every know. night I'm nervous. Uh-huh. Be and like, don't touch the computer. Don't do it. You have, do you have to like. 6.30, I have to let it go. Ooh. I need to go cook or eat and just chill. And enjoy your family. And I have to sleep for seven hours. Wow. This is like marrying these two together. It's like, <laughs> I'm on the edge. I'm like, am I going to make it? Is life going to be how, okay? How far do I have to go on this? <laughs> That's amazing. When is this over? Yeah. But I think I'm going to keep it. I haven't slept this much, I don't know in how long, like oh. seven hours, seven, at least seven hours a night is my rule for mm. this season. Good for you. Yeah. Good yeah. for I'm you. I'm going to be healthy. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to pretend like I didn't hear that. <laughs> and I'm going to pretend like I don't have guilt <laughs> about it right now. So, um, okay. So talk to me a little bit about you get out of college, you start working with these, do you work for these big organizations? Is that how you kind of get this lean six Sigma training and this efficiency training? Yeah, definitely. Um, my first, my first big job out of college, out of college was with a, um, company that focused on, um, industrial supplies. Mm. And because they were, they're probably the leading industrial supply company. It's where you go if you want one or two small parts at a time. They've been around forever. They were, they had an amazing software system. That was their claim to fame. And this is in the nineties when, you know, people weren't really that over indexed on that, but they right. could operate so well. And then that helped me transition to working for a warehouse management software system company. Okay. Right? Yeah. And so um, there I learned a lot of kind of um, biz- where business meets technology. Mm. And then I eventually went to Coca Cola and I spent almost 20 years there. And halfway through my time at Coca-Cola, I started studying lean and I became a lean Six Sigma black belt. Mm -hmm. And I worked as a lean Six Sigma person in the IT part of the organization. Um, And I just really got to put a lot of practical, I got to put experience with the the learning. And so I, I can't underscore enough how much I learned working there, how many different situations you get to experience at a company of that size. Right. With the, you know, the massive operations. And so, I mean, putting something into practice like that, I mean, it's like the most beautiful environment you could ever imagine because you have so many different operational efficiencies you can create. That's right. right. And you got so many people who've been working at it for so long. Uh So the guys, and we're all guys at first, all the guys that I got to learn from Mm -hmm. and them just inviting we all worked on different parts of the business, but they would invite us in and say, okay, we're going to do this in the treasury group. We're going to do this with insurance today. We're going to do this in this part of the business. And so I got to jump around and see so many different examples of how you'd apply what I was learning to other parts. parts. Right. And so that's the, 
that's the blessing of a big company. Mm-hmm. If you, we often hear all of the things that are tough about working in a big company. Sure. But that was probably where I got the majority of my training. Yeah. And um, so yeah, I just I always say it's if it's like working almost at a government. I yeah. Because it's so such a big organization. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So um, you talk about showing up as your authentic self in these environments. So were you able <laughs> to do that? Like, how does that how does that show up at work? Yeah, I just do it until it works out. Yeah. Um, my first job, I tried to show up a little bit different. Yeah. And uh, I would be so exhausted at night. I like would different, uh, like not. Yourself? I would right, not okay. myself. You know, I I'm older now, so I probably don't speak in as much slang. But I sure, try to sure. keep up with what's going on in pop culture. I try to know what's going on with young people. That's my personal mm. ministry. I try to take what I'm seeing in the real world and you know cast it in the business world. And I try yeah. to be. Just I try not to be um, a person living in an ivory tower, yeah, right? Right. And I don't want to lose. I always I don't want to lose my street cred. Sure. <laughs> so um, fresh out of the fresh out of college, I probably talk more slang than anything. And my stepdad used to tell me, "You're gonna really struggle with that when you mm. go to work." I'm like, "What? No, huh. I'll be all right." And uh, those first couple of weeks at work, I was like, "Oh my god." I might have to clean up my language a bit. Uh-huh. And I was so tired. And I try to be who I thought I should be. Um, and I try to mimic how everybody else act, acts. I'm a natural hugger. Mm. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to hug anybody because that's probably uh, it's right, probably right. kind of, you know, edgy. And so my first probably couple of months in the working world, it was stressful. Yeah. And uh, and one day I was like, you know what? I'm I'm okay and I'm enough. I'm a nice person. I, you know, people probably are going to struggle with my name at first, but they'll get over it and they'll see that I'm here to be just like everybody else. And so as I've gotten, as I got older, I would, I mean, I'm just going to be who I am day one. If that's laughing a little too loud, that's being a little too bubbly, if that's hugging a little, I try to gauge whether or not people want to be hugged now. I'm a little smarter there. And then, you know, since COVID, I probably don't hug like I used to. Um, But I just... I realized if I'm my authentic self, it will work out. Absolutely. Yeah. And people, and it's, you know, the first month or so, some people don't know who you are and Mm. they don't really understand you. Um, I typically, when I go into a new organization, I learn I'm going to just schedule lunch with different people. Yeah. I'm going to schedule little sessions where I talk to people. And once they see my heart, they'll be okay. And sure enough, that has always worked well for me. You have a very warm persona about you. Like, that's one of the first things I noticed about you. So I imagine that you don't get a lot of pushback, you know, because you, you do come across as very genuine, very warm, very authentic. So, which is not a very engineer-like trait. It's not. <laughs> it's, it's funny because I, uh-huh. I, um, I, and I think the thing is, I think that people, I end up working with people that work with systems more than anything. Mm. And I, you know, IT people. And I think... IT people like IT because they like working with machines and right. not necessarily people. Right. And so they, I'm typically working with people who are not as comfortable with others. Sure. But they still love people to connect with them and mm. seek to understand them and talk mm. to them and listen to them and relate. Um, they probably don't do it. They don't do as well if I do that in a crowd setting. So I've learned yeah. if I can one another to one another people yeah, one yeah. at a time that I can build really incredible relationships with them. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So they don't like to, 
be the life of the party and tell yeah. everybody in the room exactly how, you know, silly or great they think something is. Mm-hmm. But if you catch them one on one, you can get some good info. So I know that you and I have attended the same church. And so I'm curious, um, have you read the study The you said this? I heard that. Um, no, but my husband's been threatening this as a, yeah. a reality <laughs> series for like 10 years. Right. <laughs> he thinks this is the mm, best reality series. Yeah. That I have to tell him there's a oh, book. Boy. He'll be so sad. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Somebody beat him to the punch. <laughs> so you said this. I heard that um, Kathleen Edelman is okay. the author, and it was actually a sermon at our church oh. at North Point. So, um, and and we actually did it as a as a Bible study in our women's small group. Okay. So, um, but anyway, it's fascinating, and I'm so curious to know what you are because you have these different you have this dichotomy happening where you're a warm people person, but you're just really skilled at processes. And so like, I am very much a process person. I'm not a people oriented person. I'm a process oriented Mm. person. So I like systems and like (laughs) I over communicate like the document I sent you prior to the podcast. Here's where you're going. This is what we're going to do. This is what you're going to wear. This is the background. Mm -hmm. Here's where you're going to, here's what I'm going to ask. Like I'm very process oriented. Right. But you (laughs) have a way of, about you that's more people oriented. I can tell you exactly when it happened. Uh-huh. <laughs> I I signed up for this. I, I got a job as a senior project manager um, that I probably shouldn't have had uh-huh. working for a man who was a retired military general. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. And he'd done a couple of stints in Vietnam. Okay. And uh, he just was not having my happenstance mm. way to doing things. Right. Oh, it would drive him mad and... <laughs> I remember he asked me one time, he asked me something and I said, well, I'm hoping that. And he said, hope is not a strategy, Holloway. Oh, I, like and I was that. like, oh my gosh. Do you know how many times I've said to my son, hope is not a plan. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I, I, I still laugh at that in my head. And he was the best gift to me. He was six of the toughest years I've ever worked. Mm. And to this day, I pretend like I work for him some days. Okay. Because I know what he's going to ask yeah. me. How are we going to get there? What does success look like? Who's involved? Mm. And um, I had to get my act together if I was going to keep my job with him. I, I can just remember the the performance review where I went home and I cried and I thought, should I look for something different? Wow. Or do I really want this? And yeah. how do I clean my act up? Mm. So it's truly, I'm mm. truly not a natural process person. And that's why it's so important to me to demystify it and to make it fun for people like me who naturally think it's boring stuff. Interesting. <laughs> wow. Because they're like, I don't want to do the same thing every day. Right, right. But, but you you're can, really good at it. So. <laughs> but we can make it, we have to make it a little more fun. The rest of us have to see the value. Yeah. And yeah. so that's what I, that's what I try to do with my practice. Very cool. So you went from working at a huge company like mm-hmm. Coca-Cola mm-hmm. to going out on your own. I know. So how scary was that? It happened accidentally. Okay. I I like to call myself an accidental entrepreneur. Okay. So I was doing a mission trip. Um, I always did middle school ministry at North Point. I'm on a slight break. Okay. Uh, Middle school girls with cell phones are a lot. And and I agreed to do a mission trip to Haiti with like eight um, preteens. And I thought, what? Of course they bring along one parent. Mm. And so there's a lot of preparation that goes into spending a week in Haiti. And this was not that long after Hurricane Matthew, I think. So there oh, was still wow. 
okay. really um, torn up as mm-hmm. a country. And um, I led the trip and I worked with the parents. And one of the parents near the end said, you're really good at like change management and project management, the way you lead and help people get to where they need to go. Wow. Do you have, do you have your own business? Cause I'd love to get you on an engagement at my company. And I was like, wow, I will. By the time we get back to the States, (laughs) hold on, let me run these numbers real quick. (laughs) And I had an opportunity at that time to leave Mm. Coke. And I was like, this is the perfect opportunity. And so I thought this will just be an engagement. Yeah. And I'll probably just be a contractor somewhere and really Mm -hmm. just enjoy myself. I'd seen my mother be an entrepreneur and she had a cleaning franchise as I was coming up. And I thought to myself, never will I work this hard in my life. This is hard work. It's hard. You Mm. know, as a single mom and she was cleaning buildings most of the time all night when her people didn't show up. And, you know, some months she'd make a lot of money, some months she wouldn't make any money. And we didn't have health insurance, all these things. I was like, I'll never own my own business. It's too much work. Yeah. And I slowly started getting clients. And I was like, oh my goodness, I am an accidental entrepreneur uh-huh. and I am working way too many hours. Uh-huh. So um, I, but I just really love what I do, which mm. makes it even harder, I think, to draw, to those, cut back, draw yeah. those lines. Yeah, Hence yeah. my yeah. Lenten season. Um, but yeah, no, I, I didn't intend to, but I got that, that prod from that parent slash business owner. Uh I did that assignment for him. I was so proud. It was so exciting. It was so, so scary to go in there and know I didn't have a team. Uh Like I went, I met, I thought, oh my gosh, there's nobody behind me. I don't, I can't go back to the office and get, you know, such and such to help me or any of these things. Right. There was no one to delegate to. Mm -hmm. I don't have anybody to run this by. Yeah. There's no sales organization to write this contract. Yeah. So it was, it was scary, but exciting. Yeah. Very cool. And you haven't looked back or have you thought about like, well, I mean, there is comfort in working for a big company. I did. I, I, um, Four months into my first gig, Uh because first I was gigging, I got hired by the company I was gigging for. They're like, we just got to hire you. We just got to hire you. And probably six months into that engagement, they decided they were totally changing my job. Mm. And I've been enjoying what I was doing. I was like, oops, I just slipped back into what I had escaped. Right. Let me quit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I haven't looked back since the second time. Yeah, Uh, yeah. And now I don't know that I, I... I enjoy not being a part of anybody else's politics. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah, sure my company, my own organization has its own politics. Mm-hmm. But and I intentionally work to try and have a very open and great culture. Mm-hmm. I work hard at it. Yeah. But every time I'm work, my clients, I'm working with my clients. I'm all up in their mm-hmm. places and I see whiffs of politics here and there. And I just laugh and enjoy it because I know these aren't my politics. That's these are their right. politics. <laughs> I get to leave this. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I have not looked back since the second time when I got swooped in. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some of the challenges that you had when you were starting your business? So many, right? Yeah, so many. Um, And it's been just a a challenge at a time, right? Um, Yeah. First, it was as simple as creating the invoices on a timely manner so that you get paid. Oh, right? I know. Yeah. 
Because that's the hard part is when you're in the weeds doing what you're doing, right? right? And then it's like, oh, crap, I have to invoice this. And then you're like, when do I have time to invoice? I was doing the same thing and I was running into money problems that's because right. I didn't have the time to invoice people when I was trying to run my business. Yep. <laughs> I went I, And I prioritized that yeah. because I went to lunch with a guy and he told me, he said, I had to shut my business down. I had over $100,000 in receivables. Wow. And he said... Truth be told, it was on me. Uh I wasn't sending things out in a timely cadence. I was like, oh, thank you for saying that. Yes. Like, let me do that. So I I got that going. And then my husband started helping me do that, like on Sunday nights. And then finally, I was like, I could hire a fractional kind of business to do this piece. Yep. Then the marketing, I'm like, I'm not telling people what I do. Yes. Oh my gosh, I'm not writing blogs. Yep. I don't have a presence on LinkedIn. Uh huh. Okay, let me get help for that. So it's been just a slow uh, experience of learning where I could better leverage other people because I am a, I take way too many things on yeah. just naturally. And I think, I'm, I don't think I'm a control person, a control freak, but I don't like to, I think sometimes women have the issue of, I don't want to burden anybody else. Yeah, Like, yeah. what? <laughs> Even if I'm paying you to <laughs> do it. Right. <laughs> I don't like doing this, so I don't want anybody else to have to not like doing this. But somebody might actually like creating social media posts. Mm. To me, that just sounds mind-boggling. Right. But it's also <laughs> why we clean the house before the housekeeper comes. That's right. I'm giving <laughs> so, that one up. Yeah. So, so yeah, the, we just, we're, we're that way. We're wired that That's way. Right. Where we're like, well, no, I don't want to have to do this. You know, but but you know, if I hire somebody else, but then we also feel like we have to take that on too, right? Like I still feel like I have to set them up for success. That's right. And then I have to review it, and then I have to make sure it fits me. And and, and it's it, you don't really feel like you're saving a whole lot of time. That's right. Point. That's so, right. Yeah. So whereas some people can just turn over a task and be good with whatever the result is, I think we struggle <laughs> with that. <laughs> that is. That is. And then payroll. Oh gosh, yes. Once you really start getting things mm-hmm. going. Mm-hmm. I, I would hear people talk about payroll, but I, I wasn't listening. Yeah. And until I, I can remember looking at just kind of forecasting a month out or so, I was like, uh-oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> My pay cycle is not sustainable. I'm uh-huh. paying people right behind. Like, yeah. I said, oh, this is why companies would do two weeks in the hole. Yeah. Oh. Just all Get these things of I've had to learn. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just, what a journey. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I can relate to that. Yeah. So who inspires you? Um, those women, I have my my fractional partners, and I call them that because that sounds like the latest term, mm. my fractional CFO, my fractional marketing person, my um, fractional operations person. Yeah. These young women, I've come up, and I don't know if this is the right way to call them, but I call them geriatric millennials. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> because they are like that late 30s, early 40s crew, uh-huh. and they are good with technology. They're not yeah. scared to try any app on any day, mm. and they can set stuff up. I'm like a landing page, what? Yeah. Um, forms, anything. They can set these things up um, really quick, and they're business savvy, mm. and they have courage. And so mm-hmm. all of those partners I just mentioned are women that are 
you know, my fun, my little term there, geriatric millennials. Uh-huh. And I am just so proud of them. Like, yeah. I feel like they, several of them have been on their, been on their own for years. Really? And they just found their way and they're, they're scrappy and they've, you know, they've almost went out of business a couple of times and they keep approaching it different and yeah. they're transparent and they give great customer service and they're oh, like, that's awesome. I have so much hope for the young people watching them, even yeah. though they're not, you know, they're not babies or anything, but they, they've just decided to own their space and yeah. do a great job. And so wow. I'm really inspired by seeing them. Um, yeah. And I've, I've just been, I feel like lucky to find all of them. Yeah. Like I just kind of, some of them I knew from other jobs and some introduced me to others. And it's just mm-hmm. been a great network of young women that are just kicking butt. Yeah. yeah. I love that. So, um, as women, we give our power away all the time, right? (laughs) And so we might take criticism or we might do, you know, give other somebody else uh, credit for things that we did. So do you think you've ever given your power away? And if you did, then how, uh, how have you gotten that back? Definitely. Um, I don't even know that I've even thought of it like that either. Really? Well, I think we don't, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yes. And I was, I was, I was thinking on it. I was like, you know, I'm a... I think as a product of being an only child, yeah, you um you want people to come over and play, yeah, because you're at home by yourself and you want friends, right? And so you're always trying to keep things happy and fun and the play going. And I feel like I'm always trying to make sure I give everybody their credit. Mm. And as a spending a lot of time as a project owner and a project leader, I know that. The project is only as good and great as the people that made up the team. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always going to give give some of those things away, even if it isn't really even due to some people, because I know it's going to encourage them for next time. And this was maybe a learning experience. And then if things don't go so hot, I'm quick to take the fall for it. Because oh. I don't want them to, I don't know, experience it. And so I, it's something I'm probably still doing. Uh-huh. And I'm, the question is making me pay more attention to it. Um, so, for example, I had a training class recently. It was I was really excited about it. It's a multi-day class. My name is Holloway, uh-huh. and the company is Holloway Consulting Group. Right. Duh. Okay, so I probably own the company. I hear a guy at break ask a woman that I had brought with me, is this your company? Does she work for you? Oh. And I thought... Ooh, how would he come to that? <laughs> wow. And yeah, I didn't even listen too closely to her answer because I already knew my answer. So I was like, whatever. Yeah. It's taking him day two and he still hasn't pulled this together. Bless his heart. Uh-huh. Um, but yes, I I don't know that I take my power. You know, yeah. it's probably something I should pay better attention to. Um, maybe I'm doing a good job. I don't know. So, yeah. I saw- That's all right. Somebody asked uh, one of my employees at a big event. They're like, oh, so uh, I heard she's an owner. Is this her husband's company? (laughs) I was like, that's so cute. (laughs) I didn't even I I didn't even get why when I sat for the women's certification. Yeah. um, I didn't even get why it was such a big deal to have an interview until they started asking me the questions about how's the company set up? What do you do? Yeah. And I said, Oh, they're trying to make sure I'm not a front for somebody yes. else. It 
didn't even occur to me that that yeah. was the it's reason. It's a real thing. <laughs> a Let real me tell thing. you, I'm actually in the process of going through another woman-owned business certification because apparently having one from a national organization doesn't actually prove that you're a woman-owned organization. Every city that you apply for, you oh, have to wow. have a whole other stack of stuff. So shout out to Atlanta and Houston and all these other places that I have to go get this again. I'm like, can we just do a DNA test and like wow. I can show you? <laughs> that was a long process for me. Yeah. I I almost quit it a couple of times. I know it. I know it. I was like, this what, what is all of this? And when I had that interview, it hit me. Yeah. Oh, they are trying to make sure yeah. that this is really my business. Well, because I think there's so many yeah. that will put their wife on as 51% That's owner right. so they can call it a woman-owned business That's right. knowing, you know, she hasn't stepped foot in that office ever. So that they right? can get the set, any set-asides or yeah. anything of that sort. So, yeah, it's it's a big deal. It really is because there, it's, it is unusual to have women at the helm of an organization. Yeah. And yeah. so I think that that's, you know, when you have to go through all these qualifiers, I grunt about it when I'm doing it because I'm like, this is ridiculous, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, again, I appreciate the integrity of That's the process. Right. I appreciate right. that they're putting the time and effort into ensuring a process yeah. is followed. And again, I'm a process person, so yeah. it was a big deal for me. <laughs> and so, so, um, so tell me, uh, who, what, what advice would you give to your 18 year old self? Oh man, my 18 year old self. I was so Pollyanna. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still a bit. I, I still am an eternal optimist. Um, mm. I tell myself to not, don't worry about the small stuff. I mean, that's so cliche, but and don't worry about people so much. Mm. I think I have worried too much about what other people will think about what I'm doing. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. how they will see yeah. it. It's, it's almost like I'll care more about that and not saying to impress them, but I don't ever want to hurt anybody's feelings mm. or I don't ever want to make anybody else feel less than sure. if I overstate or say my accomplishments in a certain type of way. So, mm. you know, I've, um, I tell myself to just enjoy the ride. Everybody, you're not going to be for everybody and that's okay. Everybody's not for you. If you want to try it, try it. I, I, I didn't go to business school when I first wanted to, cause I was right. too worried about, my friend group and relationships, just enjoy life and things yeah. will turn out exactly like they should is what I tell 18-year-old me. Yeah, um, I like that. Yeah. So going back to what you do for a living mm -hmm. and improving processes, where would you feel when you're going into a business or you're consulting with a small business, where do you see the disconnect happening typically? It's funny. This past year, I found that the biggest disconnect is people. Really? And what people think they're supposed to be doing and what they're doing. Mm. More so than ever. Like, I'd always say, I would always tout this statistic. I meant to look it up um, the other day. 94% of the time, the process is the problem and not the people. 94% of the time, if somebody's not doing what they're supposed to do, it's the process. It's not people. We haven't stated the process clearly. Mm -hmm. But we always make sure when we start a new engagement, we interview all the stakeholders. Mm. which you should always know. And the stakeholders are anybody that's a customer of the process, whatever you're doing is going to impact them. Right. Or the suppliers of the process, the people that do the work for the process, the people that send you stuff to feed the process, the people that make the security badges, mm -hmm. the people that, you know, give them to people. Everybody's a, 
all the stakeholders. And so we work to interview the stakeholders first. Mm-hmm. And lately, whenever we talk to the people that should be doing the work, we, we, we are finding that they are either disconnected with what it is they thought they were supposed to be doing, or they're in flat out disagreement with it and in some type of way almost sabotaging it's interesting it's very interesting so do you (laughs) think that's a leadership issue where the leadership is not properly communicating the expectations or how what do you think this is you know in one situation it's almost the leadership is changed Mm -hmm. at this one particular client their leadership has changed and the people that have been there for a while don't feel like the leadership knows exactly what they're doing. Mm. So they're almost in their own little rebellion of mm-hmm. doing it the way that they feel that it should be done in order to preserve the organization that they care of and yeah. know, care for and know about. It's like they've decided they're going to be the caretakers of the mission. Yeah. Or, right? the, or the former <laughs> culture that they, right. they enjoyed. Yeah. Um, Somebody, there's always this quote from, probably it's a Jim Collins book, but I hear this quote all the time. I've heard it for 20 years and I didn't understand the quote. Okay. And it's, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Yep. And I used to hear that. I'm like, what are they talking about? Yeah. It does not matter what your little strategy is. If the culture of your organization isn't set up for what it is you're trying to do, forget about it. Yeah. I mean, so it's funny. I'm, I feel like, and I don't know if this is a, I hate to put everything on COVID. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> I don't know if that, this is a, just a thing right now, but I'm just, it's something that we're noticing every time we get ready to do work and we uh-huh. take the time and do the stakeholder um, work to make sure we understand before we try and make process changes. Cause you need to understand what your current state is before you go about changing things. And you mm-hmm. don't even know what things are right now. Right. We're finding that the people are just at different places on mm-hmm. even the basics. Yeah. And um, so we work to get that straight. Um, and, and you're right. It's a, ultimately it is a leadership issue. So when you have, <clears throat> so let's just say company A buys company B, you're merging uh. two cultures, you're merging two operational systems. Do you think it's a good idea? Cause I was thinking about this. Somebody had, I had asked somebody to do something and they said, well, I didn't think that was in my job description. Mm. And I thought, well, dang, how thorough does this job description <laughs> have to be? And so, do, so, you know, do you go back to, and I hate, listen, the, the that's not my job thing. Oh, gosh. Oh, it, gets, it goes right through me. <laughs> but, um, but is it important for a company to rewrite those job descriptions when you merge? Or is it a culture thing? Or to me, that this? sounds like a culture thing, right? Uh-huh. Because you're right. Not in my job description. The job description can't be that comprehensive. Correct. It's going to yeah. have some big things in it. But it can't have every little task that no. you will do forever in perpetuity, right? And so I think it's a culture thing. I think yeah. when when two organizations come together, there has to be a real focus on the organization and the culture. I don't think you can just go straight to switching processes around and Mm-mm. telling this company, now you're on this tool, and now you're right. going to do it this way. Right. I think you have to help people understand, here's what our combined here, we're together now. There's no more them and us. There's no more. I'd hear us say for years in different companies, legacy, the legacy people oh. and the new people. It's just like <laughs> we don't have this division. How do yeah. we work on getting this division? So I think organizational work is so important. It can't be, you know, missed. Yeah. What those types of people do to focus on the actual change in an mm-hmm. organization. 
And then there probably there probably does have to be some work on or on um, job descriptions and sure. things like that and new processes. But I think there has to be a coming together yeah. of different people and the cultures in order to have a thriving organization. I don't mm. think you can just shove new processes down people's throat. Yeah. The the newer generation of workers, I don't think they work that way. Really? Right. I just don't I just do this cuz I said so. Right. Is that's what I would do. If my boss told me to do something, I was like, well, guess this is what I got to do. Right, and I right. didn't I didn't you question. Didn't question. <laughs> right, right. But I don't think that's how it works anymore. It's like, well, why is that important? And right. I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily, right? It's just this is not how we raised I, and I keep looking to myself for this current generation of workers. These are the people I raised, right? Mm-hmm. These are people we yeah. raised. They want to know why. Because yeah. for whatever reason, we told them answers to why when they asked us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want you to do that. Yeah, because, because we didn't say because I said so like our parents right, did, right? Because right? that was the answer. That because I the, said so. And if you, you say one more word, you're in trouble, right? <laughs> where are you going? To see a, my mom would say to see a man about a dog. And that was uh, about as much detail I got as where my mother was headed to next. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this new generation of workers, they need that information and they'll mm-hmm. do a better job with it. Anybody mm-hmm. will. If people understand the why, mm-hmm. then they'll they yep. probably will give you something better than you really asked for. Yep. So, yep. well, you know, it's funny because actually um, I always when, when somebody is hired to do management in my company, I hand them three books. Okay. Um, <laughs> number one is Start With Why. Oh, by wow. Simon, Simon Sinek. Sinek. Yep. And I always do that because it's important. Like we, yeah. if you can't explain the why, you're never going to get to the how. That's you're right. never going to get to the what. Like, yes, we do security, but why do we do security? Right. How, you know, the how and the and the what comes after the why, right? Mm-hmm. So you always got to start with why. And then I also give them who moved my cheese because, oh, because they're about to enter a culture that is different and I need them to be open to it, right? Like don't bring your old junk into my company and think That's that right. you're going to run it in a certain way because that's your old junk. Let's think new ways, new processes. I'm open, you be open, right? right. And then the other one is um, Blue Ocean Strategy because that Blue one... Blue Ocean Strategy? Blue Ocean Strategy. Okay. It's an old book. Um, it was it was, it was was written a while ago, but it's, it's a marketing book. And um, it's really just how to structure your products and your services and your processes to differentiate yourself from the competition. Yeah, and I mean, you're in a real burning platform type place right now. Like, uh-huh. things are dynamic and security and they change yes. often so you got to have people that ask that can start with the why and yeah. they got to be able to mm-hmm. speaking of who my cheese they got to be comfortable with change yes it's going to change tomorrow constantly every day and and being you know and this is what i love about being a small business is that we pivot quickly that's right and and we're going to do it and we're gonna we're gonna pivot ask questions later right like <laughs> we're moving left why just do it just do it right now we'll catch and we'll up. talk about it on the way that's all right we'll <laughs> right? catch up with it later but we've got to do this yeah. in state, right yeah that so, is nice that is yeah. nice about a small business yeah i know as i always say it's like it's like trying to turn a speedboat versus a cruise ship that's it's right a big difference you know yeah, the but, titanic yeah they couldn't mm, turn they saw it but it was too late yep yep so um well this has been enjoyable but i really have one more burning questions that right. i have to ask you um so what do you wish more people knew i really wish more people knew that we're all connected yes that we are that there's something to learn from everybody, mm-hmm. even the people that you might not enjoy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we are all connected, and we have to treat each other. Um, we have to treat each other well, and mm. we should. 
treat each other with love. Even yeah. we don't necessarily love the person or love what they stand for, but I really think we've, I don't know, I feel like we've gotten away from that. And I think it yeah. makes work and everything go so much better mm-hmm. when we treat people like we are connected to them, yeah. like they truly are a brother or a sister. And I know that just sounds like, oh, uh, you know, rah, rah, but I, I, it makes life so much easier and enjoyable for me. And I just think it would make it <laughs> easier. I mean, it does make, you know, when you have somebody who's just all over the place and they're acting out, you're like, I wish my distant cousin would act better. <laughs> Well, and at the end of the day, we are more alike than we are different. We are. Right? The more we are I meet more people. alike than we're different. You know, we all have the same innate needs. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, we all just want to be chosen. We all just want to be accepted. Yeah. We all just want to be loved. And so, you know, now that can come across in some it can. crazy ways. It but, can. you know, we're, we're doing the best we can with what we have. That's right. And usually when I see people acting in those crazy ways, I immediately think, especially defensive yeah, I'm like, okay, they're insecure. Right. For whatever reason, they don't feel comfortable in this space and they're yeah. going to make all the rest of us miserable. Okay. Yeah. Just treat them with a little more, um, treat them with a little more love. But I, yeah. I really think, I wish we all treated each other that way. I love that. Very cool. Well, thank you, Quan. Thank you, you as always, me. are amazing. And, and I always learn so much from you. And I think you're just one of the most brilliant women I've met. Oh, so. that is too kind. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I wish you all incredible success with Holloway Consulting because I know that you are crushing it out there and you uh, you bring a lot of value to organizations. So thank you so much. And um, everybody have an amazing day. And you can check out Quan on prettypowerfulpodcast.com and we will have all of her information there so you can link to her. Thank you. Thank you for joining our guests on the Pretty Powerful Podcast. And we hope you've gained new insight and learned from exceptional women. Remember to subscribe or check out this and all episodes on prettypowerfulpodcast.com. Visit us next time. And until then, step into your own power.